0: You enter the tavern and see who you're looking for. He's a grizzled old man hunched over in the corner and he looks like he is wise beyond his years.
1: Cool. I kill him.
0: Wait. What?
1: I said I kill
0: him. He, he's grizzled and old. He doesn't even look like he'd be much of a challenge. He looks like he might have some information about your quest.
1: Mm, nah. I try to chop his head off. Oh, nat 20.
0: In this episode of Becoming DM, what happens when all your dreams as a DM were destroyed by a player breaking your storyline? Hi everyone, this is John.
1: And this is Felicia.
0: And as you heard in the opener, today we are talking about uh, when players break your story. Uh, And really, what you have to do in my mind when you first start thinking about this is really understand why the player broke your story, why they did this terrible thing to you and all <laughs> the work that you've done to your story. And the first thing that really comes to mind is they've actually done this on purpose.
1: Yeah, when I think of intentional sabotage of my campaign, uh, I honestly think the probably first thing going on is that the players could possibly be bored. Um, you know, and that, that can source from a number of issues, wh- why they're bored with your storyline. Um, You know, one thing is is thinking of, like, the difficulty. Like, is the campaign that I'm running for them, is it appropriate to the level of the players that are within my campaign? You know, is it too hard? Um, Is it not that hard? I've actually gotten a couple of pre-made campaigns that are, you know, that say exactly what level they're at in comparison to, like, the level of your players. So for things like that, it makes it relatively easy. If you're doing your own story, though, it's something to really analyze and see, Is what i'm doing too difficult for my players and is that why they're not satisfied with the gaming experience
0: well and and even even if you're running a pre-designed campaign um it can be very difficult to kind of dial in that difficulty Hmm. if if you have more players than it was originally intended for so so maybe it was written for three to four players and you've got six at the table Hmm. and of those six two of them have their own familiars that are going to help out and so it's kind of like having 8 at the table and you don't want to over overkill it by adding so many monsters and everything that 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 they can't possibly succeed but at the same time the 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 way that you had initially intended it for 3 to 4 players mm-hmm. it's not going to work because they will walk through your encounters and not even bat an eye.
1: Yeah. So I, yeah, I think that's important. We we want to have like your gaming experience your campaign match the number and and the experience of the players that are in your game.
0: Yeah, I, in fact, uh, in the in the game that that you play with with, with me and, and and the group, that was the f- in the first session. I, yeah. I planned stuff out and and the first couple of encounters, <laughs> you guys just blew through it. And it's like, oh, this is not going <laughs> to be good if I don't change. Um, so. So yeah, definitely something to consider is, is how difficult it is. Um, and if it's, if it's just too easy, it's not going to be exciting for anybody.
1: Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. Uh,
0: and, and so second on this whole boredom thing is, is when you have those distractions Mm -hmm. at the table and distraction could be anything. It could be Joe sitting there staring at his phone because (laughs) he's not, he's not pulled in or, or it could be just a conversation that everybody's having at the table. Mm -hmm. Um, and, if you have a group that, that are friends and they only get together once a month and maybe that's the only time they see him because of work and kids and whatever mm-hmm. else, um, that may be the time that they're catching up is if you start right away and and go right into your adventure, they still haven't, haven't talked to each other yet.
1: No, I think that's important. I, I know like when I do my, um, you know, once a month campaigns, you know I have a whole spread out of like snacks and everything and I pretty much already know that like the first 30 to 45 minutes of every session we start is gonna be like a little mini social hour it's just everyone catching up having a drink you know um, chatting chat chitting um, and it, yeah it's, just, it, it's a, a good way to kind of ease everyone in and sometimes when I introduce a new player it's also a good way for them to kind of familiarize themselves with like the dynamics of everyone and, and I think it makes for a much more satisfying gaming experience when you kind of vet all of that out. Um, I also try to minimize other things like, uh, you know, we turn the TV off um, or we put on some like appropriate background music to make it a more, you know, maximized gaming experience that I also think helps to focus as well.
0: Yeah. And and um, the good news is I think, I think if the problem is distractions mm-hmm. of, of people having conversations during your game. The good news is they get along. They mm-hmm. they obviously want to be there and hang out. It's really just yeah. a matter of of getting them from conversation mode into playing the game mode. Yes, and having that 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 breaker at the front of the at the at the front mm-hmm. where everybody gets to catch up, everybody gets to mm-hmm. see what's going on with each other before you sit down and and get your head into the into the role playing game space um, can really help.
1: Yeah, I, I think it's definitely important to accommodate that. Um, space and if if you know you're gonna be doing a particularly long campaign, you can even set like an intermission and it gives people a chance to like, hey, bathroom breaks, let's talk for a little bit more, fifteen minutes, something like that, and then, you know, proceed with the second half of your crazy long campaign.
0: Yeah. And the, the other thing that um, that I thought of as a as a way to kind of help with that, um, if if you have if you have a group of people that really does enjoy hanging out with each other, enjoy each other's company. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe you have every, every fourth or fifth session, just be something where you can get together and hang out and do something other than role-playing. Because yeah. obviously you're, you're, you like hanging out, you like having conversations. Mm-hmm. So it may just be a matter of, we're going to take a break this month. We're going to do something else that's fun. And we'll come to, back to this next month.
1: Yeah, no, that's a great idea.
0: So uh, the, the last point on, on boredom it's kind of a touchy subject
1: <laughs> it's a source uh, of pride for us as DMs.
0: <laughs> because when you when you have this story especially if you've written it on yourself mm-hmm. on your own yeah. it can be this point of pride i've created this thing from nothing yeah. but maybe it's just kind of a boring story
1: yeah it's definitely something uh, a time of self-reflection if you will
0: so, have you had? Uh, I know that y- you've primarily been doing uh, pre-written uh, adventure paths. Yeah. Have you had issues with with the pre-written ones where maybe the story wasn't that great?
1: Um, on the ones that I have pre-made, no. I think I've I think I've been fortunate in that I've had just the right amount of players um, at just the right level of experience, or if not, that I've been able to adjust the story to be appropriate for the number and experience level of the players that I have. So I haven't come across too much in this point in time where like the story just wasn't interesting enough to engage my players. I I have been on the receiving end where I was a player and the story was just after a while, it got to the point where I was just goodness. I was just like, is there anything that's gonna happen? Like nothing has happened (laughs) for like an hour and we were all just sort of ready to be done with it. Um, But I have not had like myself as a DM come across that horrifying tragedy of, of players being bored with the story that I'm telling, but I, I'm sure you probably have had that with your experience.
0: Yes, yes, I am sad to say that I have, I have encountered that. And and, and largely because I I do write my own stories.
1: Brave, brave soul.
0: <laughs> and so as a result, there's sometimes going to be a dud. And luckily, it's it's been few and far between enough. Um, but if you if you pay attention as you're running the game and you notice that things aren't going as well as you'd Mm hope you may just have to take a step back and call an audible or or whatever and change the direction that you're going Mm -hmm. with the campaign and and just abort
1: (laughs) (laughs) this was a bad choice
0: yeah um I mean, so that's like a lot of the reasons for boredom. Yeah. Uh, the, the next, the next kind of on purpose thing is is kind of one of my favorite topics in oh role playing games, and and that's murder hobos. Murder those,
1: hobos.
0: <laughs> those people that just just want to kill everything in sight. Mm-hmm. They don't care about the story. They're just gonna gonna murder everything that they can. They, can they possibly yeah,
1: see. they are gonna Michael Bay's the crap out of our campaign. <laughs> Michael
0: Bay, yes. Uh, so. <laughs> so, you, you, in, in the time that you've been running games or mm-hmm. even playing games, have you been involved with a group that has just gone full-on murder hobo? <laughs>
1: um, you know, I, I haven't had the exact murder hobo scenario. Um, we, I remember we had discussed this before where I, I had ran a campaign for a group where half of my group was just... Ever so slightly inebriated, more than the other half. <laughs> slightly. Ever so slightly. Um, and so these, the ones that you know had a little more, when it, a little more uh, libations, if you will, um, were all just about fighting each other, you know, in a friendly way. But you know, we had dwarves comparing axes. You know, we had. Um, that seems a
0: little bit like a euphemism, but.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and maybe it was for them. Um, but you know, we had the cleric and the warlock going head to head. It, just, it was a very interesting scenario in trying to get everyone on the same page because you had one, like one half of the group that was just ready to rumble, and then you had the other half that was wanting to like get on with the story and the actual campaign, and so it was, it was difficult in navigating that. Um, but that, on its own, was a whole separate scenario. Murder hobos, a whole different story. I have been fortunate not to have um, had that experience. As of yet, I'm sure it's looming somewhere in the near future for me, though. <laughs>
0: um i have definitely had it uh happen on a couple of occasions luckily not a lot uh but typically when it's happened there there's in my mind a, a few ways to to deal with it mm-hmm. we'll call it deal with it uh and and the, and the first one is in any world that you're running a game and there are consequences for for killing there are people. Indeed. um so if if you have a, a group of of players that are gonna run through a town and try to burn it to the ground. (laughs) Well, hopefully the town has some sort of town guard uh, or maybe there's a a military garrison nearby that gets word of it and comes to try to stop it. Something. Um, And even if they succeed with with killing everyone in the town, word can get around. So the next town they come to may board up their doors and not let them in. Yeah, sure. Um, what are some other consequences you can,
1: I mean, you can have, you know, kind of along the same lines, uh, you know, you could have, like you said, wanted posters going up and they can come across characters, more characters and enemies that are trying to take them out because they have some sort of, you know, um, what is the word bounty, I guess, over their head. You can have, um, town folks that are not willing to trade with them or, you know, if they are, they're willing, they will only do it at like a highly discounted (laughs) price, uh, I mean, you, you can keep it simple as, like, hey, you know what, you're going to jail. Um, there's, there's, I think, a number of ways you can show them that, like, you know, their efforts aren't just going to go without cost. Uh, and then in the, all sense and purposes, you know, in reality, I mean, they may not be that good at murdering anyways. I mean, they may <laughs> try to, but, you know, everyone still has to roll. And I highly doubt they're going to be doing a nat 20 every single time. So
0: Right. And so one of the one of the things you can do is if they if they murder every NPC that's part of your story, <laughs> oh they could encounter an NPC that's a little tougher than yeah. they expect them to be. Yeah. just there's no, nothing says that they can't be a highly accomplished adventurer that they're dealing with.
1: It'd be Gandalf um, they come across next, you know. <laughs> um,
0: the other kind of way I see of of dealing with the murder hobos is just rolling with it because mm. they're obviously. Getting some enjoyment out of of doing this. Clearly. And this is a collaborative game. And as long as you're not just miserable running a game where Mm -hmm. it's all murder hoboing, it may not be a bad idea, at least for a session or two, to to let them run with it.
1: Yes, get out of their system.
0: (laughs) But then it comes down to if you're not having fun with it, again, it's a collaborative game. Everybody should be having fun at the table. Sure. So, what do you suggest in that in that situation? How do you how do you deal with with that uh, where you've let them run, let given them some leash, and then they just keep on going down that path?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it, it sort of depends um, on on one thing I keep in mind is is it the entirety of your group that is deciding to murder hobo, um, or is it some players are doing it, and other players aren't? I think it's important to sort of gauge those dynamics. If you have kind of a split group, and, uh, and I've actually come across this before, not necessarily in the murder hoboing sphere, <laughs> but I have had instances where the group was sort of at an impasse and one half wanted to do one thing and one half wanted to do another. Um, so in those cases, usually I would, I would designate like a group leader. And if it turns out that like the group was unable to come to an agreement, then the group leader either decided for the group or they flipped a coin and they went whatever the coin decided. So if, I think if you have half the group that's doing murdering and rampaging and the other half that wants to go on with the game, that that might be two potential options. You can just throw it in there being like, hey, you know, group leader, this is, you know, if if this is, we want one half doing one thing, one half doing another, you can kind of delegate that responsibility to a group leader. Um, If not, then if, if it turns out that like they're kind of ruining it for everyone, then yeah, I think it is sort of up to you as DM, like for the greater good to sort of you know maybe take that person aside and sort of have a few words with them that like hey you know I get that you're having fun and I'm glad but remember you know everyone is here to have a good time and it's about compromise like you were saying it's it's collaborative and no one's the bad guy no one has to be singled out but I think sometimes some players just get a little carried away and riled up and it's just important to like let them know that you know they're part of that team and again the collaborative nature of you know role-playing games like that um, that it would be important for them to, you know, just keep in mind, you know, little give, little take, um, and if they can be conscientious of the other players.
0: Yeah, and to that point of of contacting the players, it's always been my practice that if there's if there's something that you think may cause drama outside mm-hmm. of the game, to contact the the people outside of the game. Yeah. Because um, the last thing you want to do is to have this. Game where there's potentially drama in the game because yeah. of everybody, because of dealing with NPCs and what drama that, that brings up. Mm-hmm. There's no need to, to bring up some personal interactions that people's feelings may get hurt. Oh yeah, I would never uh, do that table. in front of.
1: Yeah, I would never do that. Like out, call them out in front of the group. I mean, like I said, some a lot of times people just don't know they're doing it. Right. You know, so it's just sort of like yeah, pull them aside. Maybe like during that intermission you so well timely put in there, um, and just sort of bring it to their attention. Um, that's, that's a really good one. Um, I think the other thing that I like to do sometimes when I, I can sense, like, an imbalance is, like, I, I can tell that, you know, one half of my group is being just really great, good sports, and they're being patient, and so I try to, like, reward them for their <laughs> for their behavior. It sounds a little silly, but if I have one group, like my very lively and slightly tipsy group that's just kind of going all out, if if they come across something and stumble, I usually try to reward my other players for, oh, you know, you're you're sober and you're in the game and you happen to have just higher perceptions and you're doing really well. So, you know, you happen to find these really good rewards or these treasure or these like really great things, you know, here you go. Hey
0: everyone, we're sponsored again this week by Darkwind. I know we've all been in this situation where we've just finished up a role-playing session and it's gonna be another week or two until our next one and we're wondering what to do with ourselves. Well, Darkwind is a great way to fill in that gap between your sessions. It's a text-based, free online role-playing game with over 20,000 rooms across several continents, a player-run economy, and a bunch of different guilds to choose from. Darkwind really the perfect way to fill in that time between sessions. I play Darkwind myself, and uh, if you come by, make sure to say hi to Steelwind. To play Darkwind for free, visit play.darkwind.org. While you're clicking around on the internet, please make sure to go to your favorite podcast app, subscribe to us, and rate us. Uh, It really does help when you like us on on iTunes and and all the other podcast platforms. So uh, if you could do that, that'd be a great help. Thanks. Moving on with the discussion, we've been talking all this time about people that have broken your story on purpose,
1: Hmm.
0: but we all know sometimes it's just an accident. Sometimes they don't know they're breaking your story and they're just playing the way they think they should be playing. Mm
1: -hmm. That's true.
0: Um, So really kind of two things come to mind when I think of players breaking things on accident. The first one is missed or misinterpreted clues.
1: Yeah. That's most common, I think.
0: So, um, any, any, any thoughts on that? Any, uh, examples you've seen where where that's happened
1: i this is actually probably one circumstance that happens to me quite often um and i think for me it just happens to happen a lot because i frequently campaign for people that are very new to like dungeons and dragons Mm -hmm. so you know there's that transition period that growing pains kind of thing where it's they're still learning the ins and outs of the games and they may not know how to search for clues they may not know like brand new players i always try to let them know like anytime you go to a new space a new cave a new forest a new room a new bar anything role for perception you are welcome to explore you know it's encouraged you should you know stomp the foot wink wink (laughs)
0: um
1: but you know it happens a lot for in my case just because of the the lack of experience within the group that they just don't know that they should be searching for clues um they don't know that like it that they can so a lot of times that you know, that is is the most common occurrence. And I have to be mindful and conscientious that like the clues that I'm providing are appropriate, again, to the level of experience of my players. If I'm gonna like create these clues that are like, you know, locked away in some, you know, locker that's like three feet underground that you're only gonna find by getting it from a map from a guy two towns back that you only need to talk to because you happen to have a drink with the bartender at 4 a.m. You know, it's gonna be a really hard clue for them to find probably. So I think just making sure that like my clues are not (laughs) too difficult for the players to actually um, find is is one of the things.
0: And then once they find them, you Mm. have to be careful to make sure that they're not too difficult to interpret. Because because the last thing you want to do is they've gone through this entire rigmarole to to Mm -hmm. find this clue and then to get it and be like, what's this?
1: What does this mean? (laughs)
0: and I, I think that from a running a game perspective, mm-hmm. if you have uh, a published uh, adventure path, that that having clues that are that are too difficult for the players is a lot less likely. Yeah. Um, but if you're if you're making your own campaign, mm-hmm. you're making your own adventure, uh, it's very easy to do. Yeah. You really have to keep your players in mind as you as you write this stuff Mm -hmm. and you also have to be prepared for in the event that they don't interpret it correctly be prepared for them to get to it a different way Mm -hmm. Uh, because just because they found one clue doesn't mean that that's the only clue to figure out the next step in the in the in the adventure
1: no that's true like the plan a and plan b yeah
0: um so i i think that's that's kind of an important part about those clues.
1: No, it is. It is definitely. I I think the other thing to keep in mind as well is um, the fact that like, if you have them in a space and they're supposed to be searching for clues, they may know to search for clues, they may have the best of intentions to find those clues, but if they're just having a bad day and just rolling for poop, um, then they may not find the clues because they're rolling really low and they're just not able to, like, their, their characters miss those clues. Um, and so you have that, that potential as well.
0: One of the things I like to do uh, if I have characters that do a low roll mm-hmm. like that, um, I try not to have them just roll immediately again. Mm-hmm. Because the, my theory is that if, if you've rolled and you failed, then you've spent some time looking and you didn't come up with anything. Mm-hmm. So during that time, maybe an encounter happens, some mm-hmm. Some bad guy stumbles into the room that you're trying to search, mm-hmm. or or some an owl bear comes into the clearing bad that you're looking through. Uh, but make make there some be some sort of break between. I rolled for perception and failed, and I rolled for perception and succeeded. Mm-hmm. Um, if they continue to roll poorly after <laughs> after the <laughs> then you have to think about um, about something some other way to approach it mm-hmm. because you can't just keep throwing encounters at them. Eventually, (laughs) eventually they will die. Yeah. (laughs) And, and for a, for a failed perception role, that's a terrible reason to die.
1: True. Very true. Um, yeah, I think it's important to kind of have those, like we were saying before, you know, backup plans. Like if, if they don't find this clue here, maybe you can present it somewhere else. Maybe it, you know, it takes the form of like a scroll on a body that they found, like, you know, they got on someone as opposed to digging under a hole and finding it there. You know, you can try and present that, Clue a little further down the line and see if they roll better that time around. <laughs>
0: Speaking of, of presenting it in different ways, I think that really takes us nicely into the next accidental reason, mm. which is NPC issues.
1: NPC issues, and
0: and NPCs can have a host of of issues. Mm-hmm. Um, if if you've got an NPC that they're trying to trying to sneak up on or capture or they think that they know what he looks like they get into a room that's full of people and walk right by him and and so suddenly now there's there's a there's an issue because they they don't know who they're looking for
1: no i think i think again that kind of goes back to the um new newer like newly experienced individuals uh you know again may not know that they have to roll per- for perception, they may not know that they should be talking to their NPCs, you know? It's not just background noise, it's not just um, you know, characters set up as props. You know, they may like, have an individual in a certain bar that's going to give them the clue, that sets them off on their next adventure, and they walk right by them because they're just really excited to get that elven ale.
0: <laughs> gotta, gotta go for the elven ale. Every time. Um, the other thing that can kind of happen with with uh, with NPCs is they unexpectedly die, um, yeah. and that could either be because the player doesn't know that there's somebody that they need to deal with and yeah. get into a fight with them. That's true. Or they could be protecting them, and it just goes horribly wrong.
1: I yeah, and <laughs> no, so terribly wrong. Um, I think one thing that tends to be a challenge for my newer players is that. Um, in the accidentally killing them realm, that in their battle with a character, that they don't always realize that they can capture and interrogate the character. They just think it's an enemy, so I better just kill him. <laughs> and, you know, it, it doesn't necessarily occur. Like, you can actually get information for, from these, you know, NPCs, these bad guys, and, and my campaign allows for that option. You know, if they interrogate this person and they use intimidation, they'll find out X, Y, and Z. But we never get to X, Y, and Z because they've probably lopped their head off with that great axe that they were talking about before.
0: Yeah, being able to declare that you're you're trying to do non-lethal damage, yeah. and, and oh yeah, I forgot to do that. I cut his head Oops. off instead. My bad. <laughs> um, and then the last part, and I love that. I kind of love this part about uh, about the NPC issues is dialogue gone wrong Mm. and and that could be a whole host of whole host of things (laughs) from from doing something as simple as not asking the right questions yes and not going deep enough into it or what what you told me that renee did
1: yes so i had a campaign where um the players were supposed to go um into this old abandoned house and they were supposed to appeal to this ghost uh, and this ghost would appear and allow them to have one question answered, any one question. Uh, but they had to ask nicely. They had to be very kind. They had to flatter her. That was the whole That was the whole thing. That was just the one caveat. You know, say she has nice hair or say she has a lovely ghost dress. I don't know. But um, my husband, Renee took it upon himself to insult her instead uh, and call her an old hag. So my ghost appropriately, you know, got very offended and went ahead and just left and didn't give them what they're... Um, question was going to be and it would have been a very important question that would have given them again a a very important piece of their next adventure that would have propelled the plot forward and instead you have one disgruntled ghost and uh one very sorry dwarf so that was that was a dialogue certainly gone wrong um (laughs) he went head first into that one
0: so in in that case um what did you do to help the story move forward without, like, giving it to them?
1: Well, fortunately, um, in that particular campaign that I was working, it was a pre-written campaign. So fortunately, the campaign, I think, kind of anticipated those potential scenarios that you're not always going to get the clues, you know, from one source, the sort of don't put all your eggs in one basket kind of mentality. So fortunately for me, and, and as a good learning experience as well, and seeing how that kind of unfolded, um, the same clue or the same opportunity to find out that clue was presented in other side missions or other NPCs that they would ultimately come across. So learning experience, again, whenever I decide to create my own campaigns is that you know, if your players don't discover the clue with the NPC that they're supposed to at the time that you had originally designated, kind of back to what we were saying before, plan B, perhaps they've discovered that clue with a different NPC sometime in the near future at a different location in a different way. And it can present itself as like an enemy, you know, they're fighting and they find a clue off of, or maybe they come across some other NPC that is more willing to give them the clue in favor of them doing some sort of mission for them, something like that.
0: And I mean, the good news, especially with NPC issues is that that you've got these NPCs that are your playthings, so to speak, Mm. and if something happens to them, you can always move that clue to another NPC. Exactly. I mean obviously you don't want it to be iterative where where you have the exact same clue the exact <laughs> same piece NPC where where the players just feel like oh I can hack down anybody and a yeah. clue will pop up somewhere yeah, else later. Pop up later but but especially if they didn't know the clue was was supposed to be with this mm-hmm. this person it's very easy to say oh well instead of that guy it's going to be this guy over mm-hmm. here yeah um but but uh it, it really just that that's the nice thing especially and especially about npcs but really any of these issues just keep in mind that you are the master of the the world in which your players are living mm-hmm. and so you can adjust it as Absolutely, needed Absolutely,
1: yeah definitely i think i think the um adaptability is a, a very integral part of what it means to be a dm you know that the willingness to be flexible uh you know to adapt to change um You know just to know that there's always an opportunity to represent you know a clue um, or an important part of your campaign to like help your parent like to help your players like continue their adventure
0: yeah Yeah. and i think that's a great place to wrap it up yeah so thanks everybody for for listening and until next time stay Stay nerdy nerdy friends friends. hi everyone it's john if you like the show it'd be great if you could go to itunes or wherever you get your podcast from and like us it really does help Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter or visit becomingdm.com for the latest show information. Becoming DM is produced by John Welsh and Felicia Martinez. The show is edited by John Welsh. We'll be back in two weeks. We look forward to seeing you then.